It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to The Tents. I'm your host, Scott Thelman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, it's been a long haul, but we're finally releasing those nature-based sediment and substrates, and the response has been fantastic. We're excited because it's the culmination of several years of dreaming, scheming, and experimenting. Some of it quite messy, actually. We're excited to see all the cool experiments that our community will be doing with this stuff. Now, as I mentioned yesterday in our blog and podcast, these substrates are not intended to be the basic substrate for every aquarium on the planet. They are, however, ideal for transitional wet drying, uh, experimental systems, paludariums, and subvivariums. And of course, the urban agapo idea that we've been talking about here for years is exactly the type of thing that we intended these substrates to be used for. I suppose that on the surface, it's hardly an earth-shattering approach. You set up an aquarium, you don't fill it immediately. Rather, you grow some terrestrial plants and some grasses, allow them to take hold, then you bring on the rainy season and flood it. In a few months, you begin drawing down the water significantly, ultimately returning it to its dry state again and repeat as desired. Think about what happens in nature in many ecosystems on a seasonal basis. All of the botanical material, shrubs, grasses, fallen leaves, branches, seed pods, and such, which is on the forest floor, is suddenly submerged. Often currents redistribute the leaves and seed pods and branches into little pockets and stands, affecting the now underwater topography of the landscape. And it's a pretty interesting little thing. Leaves begin to accumulate. Soils dissolve their chemical constituents, tannins, humic acids, etc., into the water, enriching it. Fungi and microorganisms begin to feed and break down the materials. Biofilms form, crustaceans multiply very rapidly, and some robust varieties of grasses do hang on for extended periods of time during this inundation. Others go into a sort of a dormant phase, sort of browning out and waiting until the waters recede, and once again turns the agapo into a terrestrial forest floor. In this rich, highly dynamic environment, the fishes are able to find new food sources, new hiding places, new areas to spawn. Life simply flourishes. Each time I flood my urban agapo systems, I'm utterly fascinated how life manages to sort it out, to not only make it through, but to thrive. It's really cool to see the many microorganisms that start swimming around in the aquarium, obviously feeding on the submerged grasses and other materials or the epiphytes on those materials. Now, of course, I'll be the first to tell you that what you get out of this process is not what I'd ever label as a conventional aquarium system. Because of the high level of nutrients, dense growth of terrestrial grasses and plants, and rich terrestrial soil, it's certainly not a recipe for an aquascaping contest winner. And yeah, it's not intended to be. We'll be stating this over and over and over and over again to the point where you're going to hate hearing it, I'm sure. It's not just about cool Instagram-ready aesthetics. I mean, sure, these Urgham and Agapo systems do look very cool, and yeah, they're pretty damn shareable on Instagram, I'll give you that much. However, it's much more than that. The focus is is on studying the function and dynamics of this unique transitional environment in the aquarium. If you're only looking for perfect, you know, static aesthetics, you're bound to be ultimately disappointed because, just like in nature, the terrestrial plants will ultimately slip into a dormant phase where they aren't all crisp and green. They become stringy, limp, and brown over time. And that being said, I personally find this look kind of cool. And I think you might too when you consider it in the context of what we're doing. 
I think that it not only is simply an enjoyable hobby within a hobby, it's a dynamic that we can and should learn more about. When we flood and desiccate an aquarium attempting to, re, you know, to replicate this cycle, we have to learn to manage a number of different dynamics, ranging from varying levels of nutrients to nitrogen cycle management to stocking with fishes. The seasonal dynamic is broad-reaching and multifaceted in the aquarium as it is in nature. So let's take a closer look about how you'd make one of these systems. Now, this is like the most cursory and basic treatise about how to do one of these things. We'll have much, much more, you know, in the detailed blogs, photo essays, and, and undoubtedly an instructional video that Johnny C.I. and I are going to produce soon. So suffice it to say, this is only the start. So first off, here's what you need. You need a small aquarium. Uh, five gallons or less is what I would start with. And the reason being is, well, the stuff is really freaking expensive. The nature-based agapo substrate. It's not cheap because it's handmade in small batches, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about it. Plus, you don't want to start with a 50-gallon. I mean, you might want to start with a 50-gallon tank. And hey, I'm not going to stop you from if you, that's what you want to do. It's just to utilize our material. It's a little expensive. And you're going to be looking at an empty 50-gallon tank for a while with some grasses and plants, which is cool. But, you know, not everybody's cup of tea. Anyway, so you need that. You need some nature-based agapo or varzea substrate. That is if you're going to, you know, utilize our products, which I hope you do. Uh, and grass seeds and or submersion tolerant uh, terrestrial plants. This is actually so easy that it's kind of embarrassing that I'm breaking this into you know a process, but here we go. So your step number one, you'd add the nature-based substrate to an aquarium. Uh, the depth that you'll achieve is ultimately independent, is dependent on the size of the tank and the amount of substrate you're using. Uh, we suggest about a two inch layer, which if you're using one bag of nature-based will work in a small aquarium. Since again, this stuff is kind of pricey, you're likely to work with smaller tanks until we really get the pricing down on this product with some scaled up production once we kind of ascertain the demand. Step number two is to add some grass seeds or terrestrial plants like acarus. That's a good one. Uh, great plant choices uh, would be ones that are immersion tolerant. Again, acarus and even rice, uh, rice plants or rice seeds would be really cool. Then you wet down the substrate as you would any terrestrial planting. The soil should be moist and not completely saturated, but pretty wet. If you plant plants before, you know what I'm talking about. Now, a little note on those grasses, by the way. We've been utilizing a few varieties, such as Paspolum and Bahia. Uh, both of these grasses are remarkably resistant to periods of submersion and are pretty cool subjects to use in this urban agapo type stuff. In fact, we're so excited about them that we're going to start offering them soon to complement your urban agapo experiments. And we might just tuck a few uh, little bags in there with your orders. We'll see. Depending on the germination time and the seeds you're using, it's probably going to be between 7 to 14 days, maybe longer, give or take, before you'll start seeing some uh, above surface action for them and the grasses start to sprout up. And after a few weeks of frequent watering, not too much though, you'll begin to see a pretty serious lawn growing in your agapo. And as a side note, there's something oddly satisfying about seeing these grass growing inside your home. Uh, for hobbyists who live in, say, I don't know, like a high-rise urban apartment, the novelty is pretty rad, I would imagine. The real fun comes next. After a few weeks or months, your little slice of the forest floor is probably doing pretty well. The grasses are thriving, your plants are no doubt you know, growing strongly. It's time to start the rainy season. So you do this by slowly adding water to your display until you achieve a depth of about a half an inch. When you pour, be really careful and try not to disturb the substrate too much as your grasses tend not to put down very deep roots and you don't want to uproot your hard fought lawn that you're growing in your little aquarium in the home. 
just increase the water level slowly over a period of several days or or even longer weeks if you want which is kind of what i would do over a couple of weeks until you achieve the desired depth you know several inches or however however deep you want it now one of the cool things i've noticed about this inundation phase in my urban agapo systems is that you start to notice organisms in the water little aquatic crustaceans like paramecium rotifers etc just kind of like what happens in nature it's really neat to see the uh, first time i saw it i was like wow i didn't realize there'd be so much life in there but life finds a way now sure the water's going to be a bit cloudy at first because some of the sediments and so forth are start leaching from the substrate however over time the water tends to clear up regardless i generally have you know have never used a uh, filter in my agapo tanks i find it unnecessary and but a bit of distraction as well you could of course if you want I'd select a tiny inside power filter, a sponge filter, or even just an air stone, really. Or one of those little outside power filters uh, that you can get for little nano tanks. That, that could work too, but you don't want to direct it down to the substrate. You're going to start stirring all this stuff up. This is the time when you'd want to add some fish to your system. What kind of fish do you want to add is strictly up to you. I'm a big fan of annual killifishes because they're ecologically adapted to live in temporary pools and, you know, submerged savanna uh you know, grass holes and stuff like that. And they're kind of made for this type of setup. However, uh, I've done it with tetras and other fishes as well. And that's the fun part. You can do your homework and have some fun. This is where it gets experimental and enjoyable. The cool thing about annual killies is that you can keep them in one of these systems for several months, allow them to lay eggs, remove the fish, and then begin the desiccation process, knowing that there's a bunch of eggs in the substrate waiting for the next rainy season, which is kind of cool, kind of like in nature. Forgive me if in the background you hear a leaf blower. I'm doing this from home today because uh, before I run to the uh, run to the office, so I thought I'd, I'd do it at home in, in the quiet of the uh, of, of home. And of course, uh, the neighbors get in their their uh, lawn mode, so it's a little noisy. Anyhow, you'll find that depending on how long your system has been inundated, many of the grasses and most of your plants will hang on and bounce back for another round. You may want to add some more plants or grass seeds for the next season, depending on the effect that you'd like. And of course, you'd keep the system in terrestrial mode for as long as you'd like. Since I like to keep annual killifishes in many of mine, I keep them dry for the duration of the known incubation period of the eggs. That's often anywhere between six weeks to six months, depending on the species. And then you start the whole cycle again. If you're lucky, some of the eggs will have made it through and you'll have a new group of baby killies to keep the population going. Although it's not the breeder's choice is the most efficient way to breed killies, this approach is incredibly rewarding for those of us who want to keep these unique fish. It's fun. The lessons to be learned and the discoveries to be made by managing these systems are many. The function, the processes, and the aesthetics are far different than the conventional aquariums, yet in an odd way feels somehow familiar to us. You can do all sorts of experiments and attempt to replicate similar habitats from all over the world. It's very cool. One of my next full-size tank will actually be set up in this fashion a few months prior to the inundation and will be managed as like a little rainforest floor yet ultimately flooded like permanently though because i'm not going to drain it constantly but um you know just to see how that works out there's all kinds of experiments that are possible with this approach and utilizing botanical and other materials in the substrate goes with the territory it's what we do just the beginning of a really interesting time to experiment it's a time to study to scheme and replicate the function and form of nature in a most unique way and you're in the thick of it Stay creative, stay bold, stay inspired, stay cool, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.